out to be completely unreliable assholes. <laughs> hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. <laughs> and hello, everyone listening. Welcome to Dismembering Horror, episode 166 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We're here to dismember a horror film for you. In fact, we've dismembered many a horror film for you. What does it mean to dismember a horror film? Well, we talk about what worked. For us, specifically, what did not work for us and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. All in the spirit of friends getting together, watching a movie together, then talking about them together. <laughs> Doing just that. We feel that not only, well, as horror fans, are horror films fun to just, just it feels like a tackable genre to cover. There's always, there's always all sorts of new stuff to discover out there, new and old to discover. But uh, we, we find the themes allow for a lot of ripe discussion. We also come at it from a filmmaker's lens. <laughs> In that we, uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's who we are. That's where our brains are at. So we uh, think critically in that sense. But uh, in the end, as I just said, critically, it's still just what we thought all the same, it's all subjective. Anything to add to that, Tim? No. Great. It's all just a matter of opinion, except when it's not and something's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> that it's Tim fact. That's right. All right. Um, Objective truth. We're tr- we're tr- we're trucking tr- along here, uh, and we're now coming to a finish, a big finish with our October special, special, our third October special, where we'll have some sort of theme or series in mind. And the theme of this month has been the part threes of famous franchises. The three big franchises. So meaning we did Friday the 13th part three, Nightmare on Elm Street part three, Dream Warriors, and now... uh, Oh, and then we did... A new Halloween, Halloween Kills, which is the third part of the third chronology, <laughs> which I have an update for you there, Tim, to clarify oh, what I mean by third. Um, and then okay. now we're doing the actual official Halloween 3, which is the Halloween 3 season of The Witch today, which is the non-Michael Myers entry, which uh, has the context of being maligned by fans who were expecting and wanting Michael Myers and who showed up at theater and not did get and did not get Michael Myers or Jamie Lee Curtis but has since grown a fan base uh looking at it as a the standalone film that it is and was always intended. Uh Tim, what yes. I meant by uh it's the third in the or it's the third chronology, we've actually it 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 does get more confusing than we've been talking about it. So I, and Great. I know we were all, yeah, we, exactly. We were both kind of secretly hoping it was more confusing. <laughs> um, so a friend, a listener of ours, he pointed out, you know, you know, Tim and I, for some context, of course, we love these films, but we may not be like the, 
we're not coming from the perspective of like the uber uber fans who like could say the characters from all the movies who necessarily remember the stories for each Halloween movie and Friday the 13th movie, you know. Certainly not. <laughs> exactly. But doesn't mean we haven't seen them and love them all the same. But a listener who has better memory for all that, he informed me that Halloween H2O, to remind me, actually is the first example of the Halloween series resetting the timeline because it is a direct sequel to Halloween 2. And so it gets rid of the 456 storyline. Okay. Oh, boy. So <laughs> we actually could have... Um, done a whole probably month on just the part threes of Halloween's. <laughs> well, damn. You know, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I would have much rather watched H2O than Season of the Witch. Well, then we're going to have a discussion today, Tim. I bet we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious to hear why. Um, well, I guess before we get into that, we got to set the stage for Halloween 3 season of The Witch from 1982 with our trailer. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, written by one and the same, even though I think we got some uncredited writers along the way, too. Here we go. Halloween 3 season of The Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? Huh? All right. I mean, I'm just watching the trailer like a highlight reel going, what's not to love? And I'm curious to hear from Tim exactly that. <laughs> so uh, to curtail this into our rating system, would we tell our individual selves here to avoid this film, stream this film, rent this film, or buy this film? And I should give the context that I I did already buy this film, so if you just want to project onto me that all of my love for it is just me justifying a purpose, that's that's all in good <laughs> fairness. Um, Who do you okay. want to go, Tim? I I just don't like it. I don't I don't think it's good, and I don't think that the badness is fun. Good badness for me. I don't know why. I I mean, I kind of know why, but. I just was like, it has nothing to do with it being a Halloween movie or like the Michael Myers lack or whatever. It's as a standalone movie as it is. I just think it's dumb, but not fun. Dumb. 
there are Great. fun moments. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I just was. I there's so many things that don't appeal to me personally. So so I'm a stream. Okay, there there um, are enough f- sort of quirks that I wouldn't be like, don't watch this movie. Like it's, I can see a lot of I can see why a lot of people like it. But it's in the same vein to me as why a lot of people like, um, oh my god, which one was that called? Night of the Demons. And what's the one where they're out in Demon s- Wind? Yes, Demon Wind. <laughs> so so say it's in the, out in the <laughs> in the yeah in the yeah. Uh, it's uh it's in the same realm as those for me, and like I appreciate all that is that realm. Um, but I'll let you know later why it, it just doesn't tickle me. It's funny. Like I, you say, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I just view it totally different, I guess, where you say like, it's, it's, uh, it's dumb, but not even dumb fun. Like, I don't even consider it. I consider it like, no, yeah, I guess I wouldn't even say it's like dumb, stupid fun. It's it is charming and it has like what I love about it, like it's B movie sensibilities. But that for me is different from like what I'd say Demon Wind, Night of the Demons are more like Z grade, just like who what were these people on when they made this kind of, <laughs> you know, like like confounding, That's, you know, the yeah. fun of the confoundingness. When I think like uh, I think the direction's great. I think the cinematography is beautiful. I like love the casting. I love love the story. Those eccentricities, I forget the word you use you mentioned, are just like they're just everything to me. I don't know. I've my kind of trajectory with this film was from I forget when I first saw it, if I saw it as a kid, but I remember watching it a bit older and just being like, what was that? And then that turned into watching it years later and being like there's just there's like something unique about this film that's pretty interesting going on and then that turned into probably watching it again and feeling the same thing and then i remember i watched it on halloween night two years ago and being pretty taken with it um the magic of the season helped uh bring it present it to me uh but then no this watch too like i'm just like was just so taken with with all the elements about it. I mean, we'll, I'll get into the specifics, but I um, uh, if I didn't already buy it, I would certainly be excited to buy it to watch and have for future Halloweens. It's doing just so much that feels like is just I don't know, like I want to say ahead of its time, but like certain story elements that just really uh, appeal to me. Anyway, I could go on. Great. Great. You will. Different. It, I, I, but I'd say there was like a, it definitely was one that probably went from a stream it to a buy it over my, mm. you know, 15 years of just kind of being like, what was, what was this movie? You know, yeah. it's such a kind of an oddball, which I, I admit I do have a predilection towards. All right. Well, <laughs> for our summary here, uh, <laughs> You want to take this? Should I take it? Should we both take it? I feel like we're going to come out with such different attitudes. But uh, Yeah, I think you yeah. should probably take this one. <laughs> I'll, I'll chime well, in. 
let's let's yeah you please please do chime in because i feel like let's try to get because part of this summary is is to give context not to just to the story itself so we're all on the same page but kind of like how we both viewed it and like what we got out of it so <laughs> that's right could be different for us um well all right what who are these guys we've got <laughs> dr <laughs> dr uh dan played by tom atkins dr chalice and um god this is hard tim that's why i have it's i commend you every time for doing this <laughs> Because really, what's the bigger thing going on? Basically, we have our bigger story here is we have a um, a crazed old corporate um, Irish, I guess, uh, Irish um, <laughs> witch of some kind who is harnessing the tools of technology to mass sacrifice the children of the world on Halloween night via a mask that helps implement a magic that causes the kids to die and have bugs and snakes come out of their uh, (laughs) dead head. And so we have Dr. Uh, Chalice. Well, wait, hang on to what end? (laughs) Um, He's, I mean, he gives that great evil monologue, but it's, it's, he it's kind a of, pa- it's a, basically it's a pagan ritual that is connected to like the pagans of, you know, Irish pagans of, of, uh, well, of the Stonehenge sort of era, even though that's in England, but like that Druid sort of pagan realm of magic right i should have i could have started all this that's the thing it could this description the summary i try to give could be so detailed i could have started with saying using a stolen piece of stonehenge like (laughs) right (laughs) um but where our story yeah so that's kind of that's that's what's going on here but we have tom atkins as dr chalice who gets caught up when um a a victim of um this corporate malfeasance going on shows up at his hospital and the daughter of this man who is killed, who I guess the, 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 the father, he was, um, uh, a, not what you call a contract, a, a store owner. What do you call it? Like someone who's, yeah, who's, he, uh, he, he had, a, he was ordering in bulk. <laughs> yeah. Halloween masks for his store. Yeah. Maybe, uh, smelled too close though caught on to something and so we have just a very concerned and um (laughs) and also very interested in ellie dr chalice who just you know sees the opportunity says i don't care what this woman's saying i'm gonna follow her and do uh try to save the day which he may or may not end up doing in their their tracking down of this um, company in a small northern California town. Sure. Yep. That's um, that's sort of it. You've left out the robots, and uh, <laughs> um, the lasers, and uh, the. I would say somewhat 
if not completely inappropriate and or uh, creepy interaction between Dr. Chalice and Ellie. Um, and uh, it is sort of just a mist. It's like a whodunit and, and really more like a why done it. Yeah. Um, and in place of a detective, we have this doctor. <laughs> Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan. Just Tom Atkins his, is... Uh, he's his a, mustache leading the way. Yes, Tom Atkins and his mustache is kind of a, a cult icon in a way for The Fog, <laughs> exactly. Night of the Creeps, even though I don't think he has the mustache in The Fog, but Night of the Creeps, he's great in. I really want to watch The Fog. I've never seen it. Oh, yeah. Do. <laughs> I almost did last night, but great. I had bigger fish to fry. Well, I have uh, things I want to say to things you just said because you definitely did color that summary or that end <laughs> summary with your feelings. Um, nothing wrong with that, but let's all let's all get more into it. You ready? Then we'll see what worked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. see. Let's see what worked. <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? The story, Tim. Okay. I mean, how, how, how I gave that brief summary, but like every single aspect of it and how I could describe like what it is for me, like the sort of mashup that's going on. I don't know. You know, it's helpful to give that context in terms of mashups, how I took it. It felt like John Carpenter slash Deborah Hill clearly meets R.L. Stein with like James Bond fantasy in the mix. Okay. With also okay. the actual clear, like, direct influence that was an actual influence of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So, like, all those hmm. really, really scratch my sensibilities of just that, like, God, well, this is even beyond the story, but, um, no, I mean, yeah, I'll save that for later, the look of it. But John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, as far as, like, the sort of the corporate espionage angle you know you think like uh, the the social commentary of they live whatever whatever um rl stein with sort of the kids being you know the victims and just sort of this greater plot that's slowly being uncovered like god i just love how dark it is where it's just like the kids are the center of the victims in this it's just so like I don't even know what this is rated R, but is that that hard art? Like this is for adults feeling in a way for me. This is for the for the kids and all adults just with having kids be the victims. I don't know. I just appreciate and dig how dark that is. Well, and then just, you know, because yeah. we we all hate kids. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, kind of like, yeah, what well, we got into the Friday the 13th episode. If there's a weird well, that was teenagers, a little different. Um, <laughs> and then uh and then the James Bond aspect of just sort of like guy, I mean, James Bond is James Bond, but as far as just like that, that going on an adventure, the like, the guy who's like getting with the girl uncovers evil plot is like jumping in and out of the windows at the end, escaping from chairs. Like I got, <laughs> I love like the, the bad guy in this um, played by Dan O'Hurley, Connell Cochran. Mm -hmm. uh he's like 
just just that classic kind of thing. That's why I say James Bond, where it's like, sit the hero down on a chair, tell him your whole evil plot monologue about it, then put him away in a room for something horrible to happen that he escapes from. Like all that. That's all that. Just love it. Love it. Love it. Like you said, <laughs> any, any, I have more on the story, but you're going to say something on that. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Keep going then. The... um. I mean, I already kind of mentioned, but yeah, the, the idea of like corrupt companies and stuff, all that, like I'm always super into like the stuff, you know, just why that's so right. great. Love, love, love that. Um, the And yeah, that kind of bad guy at the head of it where it's like he's where he's putting on this outward face of a of a toothy smile in a, you know, looks good in a suit but then like has this whole other side and it's so satisfying when we see that other side of in this case, this guy is a crazy Irish witch. Um, <clears throat> and then the, the robots at the center of it, Tim got like, I love those robots so much and like the violence that comes from them, how they look, how they move, how they're filled with that orange goo, how just like weird and disconcerting they are. Like when the the sort of Terminator way they'll go after people or like not like like when we first see um when that one gets crushed by the car at the beginning and the way he just kind of like looks over like it's no <laughs> yeah. big deal. Oh, oh my God, I love that. Um, And the, how 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 cruel they are. I mean, this is could be getting into the violence, not the story, but the way the robots rip heads off. Like uh, it's it's so good. Um, Agreed. The the specifics of the, what I said, what happens to the kids of the, um, the bugs coming out and the snakes coming out just so weird. And like, how does that even happen? I love that. And um, the, the, maybe this is where I thought kind of a little, ahead of its time in a way or something that I'm like currently really interested in, or I feel like is just with our complete um, integration of technology into society, something we're really, you know, exploring or coming to terms with now, but that confluence of like the digital realm and like the magic unknown evil like Mm. realm, Mm -hmm. like just from thematically from the get go of those opening credits of just that like something you know close in on a tv screen pixelated we know there's something weird coming through and just that idea that you're using television to to do some kind of (laughs) evil power whatever it is there's like a technology behind it too which is all interesting but it's just so cool how it's like using an old piece of stonehenge old rock to somehow plug into these little microchips they're making i i just like love all that the confluence of those things i'm just all about anyway that's a pretty it kind of covers the story (laughs) yeah yeah i i mean i agree you know to divert specifically from the story but the the violence as you mentioned the sort of robot like terminator unstoppable or super strong and super just like void of anything except for, you know, exacting their, whatever you call it, their uh, power or, or their cause onto people um, is quite nice. 
as a as, just as a construct it's like they're completely cold and unemotional because yeah. they're robots and then they just it's like they could kill people in a much simpler way <laughs> <laughs> but but they don't like the the first kill of the guy in the hospital Ellie's dad is remarkably cruel and weird and <laughs> like brutal <laughs> yeah so Pull. if you didn't watch it they he he the robot basically you don't really know it's a robot yet but whatever he with his thumb and and pointer finger well first he he like dives his finger into the guy's eyeball <laughs> but then he reaches with his thumb around into the other eyeball and then presumably touches them inside the skull, fing finger to thumb, and pulls. So he just like, I don't even know what that would be. He, he essentially breaks the ocular uh, septum and pulls it upward and out and kills the dude. It's gnarly. Uh, yes, gnarly indeed. I love it so much. How can you not just say that, Tim, and then instantly go buy it? Like, I don't get it. That that description. Well, we have a whole section for that, Ryan, and I'll right. let you know. Can you can you humor me and also uh, recount? Assuming it did work for you, my other favorite gore moment which happens to the character of Marge when she's uh, poking around the microchip. <laughs> Yes. Look, I, don't get me wrong. My feelings about this movie have almost nothing to do with the kills. Because I think all of the kills actually work really well for me in isolation, like individually what they are. It's just fun and very John Carpenter feeling and kind of has that just wild over the top thing and you get to see it you know what i mean it's not like it's not off screen so yeah marge is <laughs> tink tinkering around with the uh what would you call that the microchip i guess that's implanted in every mask and just getting lasered in the mouth is awesome i mean that the makeup or i guess it's probably just a um what do you call that at, uh, Jesus, a mold or something for, you know, it's a dummy afterwards and it's made up to look lasered and it is gruesome. Right. Well, it's, it's twofold that kill what makes it so great. First, the, the effect of the laser itself <laughs> kind of like yeah. going in her mouth, looking like something out of oh. cocoon or something. Yeah. Just the yeah. light shining out of her eyes and mouth. And just, well, just it's happened so jarringly just out yep. of nowhere too. It's, it's wonderful that. And then as you just described that the aftermath where it's like, she's still kind of, I think she's like still kind of alive, but it's just like gruesome the way her face is just kind of, shred melted apart yeah. like you really haven't seen anything like it oh, I yeah her eyes are, are kind of fried and bulged and red and it's pretty gross and if we're just on kind of kills now and maybe general cruelty on display as you know you want from this kind of horror film just that whole scenario of bringing in the like 
what's you know is supposed to be the over the top American family who are the other um you know, yeah. um not buyers I say contractor yeah buyers of masks uh yeah intentionally totally like stereotypical American family with like the dad or the 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 dad and the mom and then the the bratty little kid. And it's just so good. They're like, you know, brought in with all smiles by the the robots or whatever to this room that's like, I guess, evil person's definition of modern American, like, this is your safe (laughs) living room space. But it's so just creepy how it's like, you know... I don't know. It feels like going into when you when you go into something like that. Like I don't know. I maybe not IKEA because, but you know something that's that's a that's a stage, but meant to be to be real. I don't know. There's already an eerie feeling to that. Like when she opens the window, you know, the curtains, and there's no window. It's just wall. But just that. Oh God, I I love that scene. The kid gets right up close with a mask on. See the horrified parents witness this, what happens to their kids with crickets coming out of his his dead suffocated face. Uh, <laughs> love love that scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, whatever. I just don't want to be here listening about all the all the gore from the robots to the robots. Oh, oh my god, the robot pours. It's like. Just the idea of everyone coming out of the hospital and like seeing this explosion happen with the robot at the beginning is so good. And just that visual of like stern faced, just pouring gasoline over himself yeah. and just lighting on fire. So good. Yeah. Love he it. looked like Conan O'Brien. It was freaky. Yeah. Well, that's actually per- their casting for this was Irish pe- looking people. Right. Right. Which is just so funny. <laughs> Cause you just have all these kind of like, uh, clean shaven white dudes in suits standing around this like mm-hmm. this factory just glaring at them i i, I love it that's horrifying i mean yeah. let's be honest it is and well you know that that whole town too i can just you know touch i love on that. the town i yeah. love the feel of going into a like i'm trying to think of other movies that kind of do this but just that thing of there's this town kind of in its own little bubble and when you enter in your it's twilight zone kind of feeling to me and i think that's why i like it is that you've entered into this new realm where everything is different but they're like barely trying to keep it looking normal enough so that people just kind of ignore it and but like it's it's so clearly eerie i think in real life i've you know, in middle America, you, you there's lots of places that have that feeling where it just feels kind of ghostish and otherworldly. And you drive in and you go, man, I don't know if I should even be here. Like, I don't belong here. Uh, yeah. I think lots of people experience that. But, you know, there's something about that middle of nowhere town, em- empty-ish town. And Especially, that weird, like the nice, the niceties that feel not genuine mm-hmm. that you get with people, like that's creepy. Well, especially when it's kind of, I mean, about social commentary. There's like Amazon towns now, but just the idea of that sort of town, as you described it, being attached to a part of this like outside large corporation that has, you know, uh, 
penetrated all aspects of the community and just sort of build on that already just creep factor, that suspicious factor that's already there. (laughs) Actually, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's what I'm kind of realizing, I guess part of what I'm saying is there's there's a, a large irony of setting the corporate factory uh, megalith or whatever you want to call it in this type of town. Because in the U.S., those towns, the old factory towns, all died because of corporatism. And so they're in a weird way kind of smashing those two things together, ironically, um, and it creates an even more eerie vibe because, <laughs> you know, the death of the small town factory town, whatever you call that, um, I-, I think often it's called like um, small town USA. I mean, I was that's where I was born in a place like that. And, you know, it it died away because they mined all of the limestone and that was, that was it. And then once that was over, it's like, what do you have left? Right. Or, you know, corporations like Walmart or, you know, now Amazon, things like that just eradicated those small towns that were surviving on like a local resource or something like that, or a textile factory or whatever it was. Those are all dead and they're creepy places to go to. I was in Kansas last year, on a road trip and we like we that's where we Baxter Kansas we stopped because there was an Airbnb there and that town was so freaky eerie because you could tell that it had been something once but like long ago (laughs) and it's just that's a really cool vibe shout out to all our listeners in Baxter woo woo we see you we love you Uh, no it's it's yeah I mean you talking talking about all that it just made me sort of think like you know it's 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 this making a deal with the devil scenario it feels mm-hmm. like where you either you're you're being destroyed sort of outwardly of the resources being sort of sucked out of your town from this omnipresent force that's not there uh and maybe an option that's presented to you is allowing this corporation into the confines of your town to like help keep it alive but at what cost well and what makes it especially creepy is that typically what we what we tend to relate to those towns is the mom and pop shops being like pissed off and rightfully so but in this town all the mom and pop shops are like oh yeah cochran he's the greatest and that just feels wrong you well, go wait what, a minute you yeah. you guys are not the people who should be saying that the corporate overlord is like great well that's what's what's so cool about it is it it's sort of in the story sense you know uh social commentary sense it bridges that gap between like let's say the story of wild wild country where um i mean that of course you know you at the town hated the outside cult but the cult members themselves it's like oh there's nothing wrong here you know it's that kind of where it feels like as if like this situation here in this town is as if the cult actually did successfully spread to you know the the townspeople um except for the one dude yeah well it's just right it's just so satisfying yeah again with just the cochran and this portrayal of just like as 
that people's enthusiasm for him is just an extension of the reality as if he is just solely this all smiles making mm-hmm. kids toys kind of guy <laughs> like ah, love that love that so much yeah it's it's creepy it kind of also feels like the same construct as like you know medieval times where it's like you have to just say that the king is great and everybody loves the king and it's like you're you know over here in in pig shit like just hating life but like Mm -hmm. you can't say anything bad about the king right which is why it's just so satisfying when you have this kind of ending of like guy getting loose from the chair and fighting back from the inside (laughs) and just him you know destroying their it's just total james bond ending again we're up in the rafters throwing down all the (laughs) microchips electrocuting all the robots just stopping their evil plan it's just so satisfying when you (laughs) just you know that bad guy is just so smug and just so like you know false righteous um I'd be so curious because I loved it how you would describe uh, Cochrane's death visually. Because <laughs> I loved it, but part of what I loved about it was like, what is going on here? Uh, I don't even know what, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to even d- describe it. Well, what he's, he's. <laughs> After he's uh, kind of shocked by the magic from Stonehenge, what does he look like? That's what I found so just like. Well, he what gets the heck? he gets sort of lasered up. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You 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 liked it more than I did. You just you described. Well, it's just so weird. It's unlike anything else in the movie, but feels it feels appropriate somehow. He turns into what looks like. Like, I know snow can't char, but, like, charred snow. Like, it's so weird. He turns into this, like, burnt, foamy kind of well, appearance where it's just like, whoa, It's almost like he heck? turns into kind of, like, a proto-mask, you know, like the the material of the masks that are getting made, but before they're actually the masks. I don't know. It's... It's 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 like I don't know how to describe it. It's weird. It's rubbery, weird, like char char foam. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the face thing. the the face that he's making too that they like did the little prop up with. It's just so funny. It's this weird like <laughs> smile that they put on his face. I love it so much. Um, well, another I guess. As big as the story was for me, just my other big, you know, why why I love this film marker is just the, don't know how to put it, the the mood, the atmosphere, the the comes from the two three five aspect ratio that comes from the John Carpenter and his collaborator on it. I forget his name. The music, um, the just super dark tone, and then like especially just like those shots of when it's sort of the transition into act three after he's captured and then it's, and then we go, Oh, it's Halloween night. The shots mm-hmm. from around the country of Halloween <laughs> night, like you that get different parts I, of the world. Yeah. That stuff looks cool. Oh my God. It's, it's incredible. I think it's even like what they used for that, uh, that original movie poster, you know, mm-hmm. like the kids, mm-hmm. but it's just all that, like, 
it's like the last moment where you can get any exposure from sunlight before right. it's completely night where there's just these the silhouettes of the kids walking against this this red or orange horizon in their in their sh- silver shamrock masks it's just <laughs> oh god i i mean that that's just everything for me i just think it's so cool uh, it's such it's kind of a in in um in vogue to say but it's true there's as you say it's such a mood it's it's really i don't know there's there's not much else like it it feels like such a universal halloween thing that aptly so that this movie that's all about supposed to be the start of a new halloween franchise that effectively captures and i can't point to anything else like it but it's really something yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah tim's like i like those shots too <laughs> that's it that's about right <laughs> um the i love to i mean we're talking about kind of the um, you know the corporate malfeasance angle but i think that just as much you know can well just like how that how that also appears in real life but like in this film in just television and commercials and just media at large. Like, I just think it's it's really incredible and almost like a breaking the fourth wall kind of way where you have this, this grating jingle that, like, is just our countdown to Halloween. Nightmare. But it's like, this is, this is the stuff that's just was, like, normalized for me as these brain worms as a kid that I still have in my head. Oh, yeah. I just think it's so cool to, like, have an actual like you know earworm of a of a song of a jingle uh just it's just like spot on commentary for me you know it's it's i don't know there's there's no other way to do it kind of like every time it comes on you're just like oh god yes change the channel thank god and it also helps us uh sympathize with our our hero our doctor here too, when he's at the bar and is like, can you really change the channel? Whatever he does. Right. Like we just want to stop this for us. I don't know. Like for me, when I, especially nowadays when it's like the rare commercial, you know, I'm only on like Hulu. Do I see commercials now? And I'm just like, they haven't changed. And it's just only more and more apparent, like with the convent of just HD and just sort of like, whether it's, I don't know, you know, like the classic you know snl type spoof Mm -hmm. thing of all the listings of all the side effects on a drug like whatever it is it's just i don't know especially like in how our world is like when you just see a honda commercial comes up being excited about a memorial day car sale you're just like what what world are these people like living in where they're trying to normalize this anymore and it's always been that way it's just about it's become more apparent i think so to have a 1982 film just dive right into that and do it wholly like with equivalent of an actual jingle it's it's just so cool i I love it so much yeah the hmm. in a way for me like (laughs) the the jingle the so the the aspect of it that works for me is is the 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 commentary aspect right like the jingle and what it's saying and sort of that commentary of how advertising really is there to kind of brainwash you and like get in your head 
and turn you into kind of a a mindless automaton. Not so different than the robots in a way, I guess, but even just the effect that it has on on the people of the town in particular or the people selling the masks like everybody's just sort of like in this days of of I don't know what you call it like hey yeah everything's great oh I love those masks oh they're just like they are brainwashed I they're it's cult kind of stuff and the commentary that like <laughs> that is very far reaching even though we we presume to not fall for it like we're all a part of of that kind of mind manipulation whether we like it or not um and like advertising is just it's so insidious and it always has been i mean there's even rules on like things you can and can't do but i like <laughs> it's brutal the so for me, the it works. The construct of it all works. The commentary works, um, and I hate it. So in that sense, it works because it makes you hate it. That's yeah. That's I mean, on that meta level, I just get like so. By the hard, end of like, the movie, I'm like, if that if I have to hear that fucking song again, <laughs> and then the movie is over and it's going in my head, and I'm like, I'm, I need to go to bed, and this is going to keep me up because it's in my head and i hate that right i i love that i hate it because it's a horror movie and just like for it to sort of have that effect on me in a meta level where it's like so grating yet it's so catchy it's like it sticks with you it just i don't know i think it's incredible i i guess i kind of put it as i just put it that breaking the fourth wall way i don't know if that's quite accurate but i between that and saying meta um yeah, you get what I mean. And that makes you feel it, for me at least, the ending. What is what is he yelling? What he says, uh, turn he's yelling, shut it Make off it or stop. turn up. Make it stop. Make it stop. Where it just feels like he's yelling for all of us. Just my my actual hatred of commercials. You know, he's just <laughs> he's like yelling for that. But um kind of like what I said, you know, just to even uh also stem from what I was saying about just the overall dark nihilistic tone of it all, you know, the invasion of the body snatchers influence. Like, I love this, that kind of ending of it could go either way mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. just this, this has to get the station to turn off this one last channel. It will or won't be in time. We, we don't know, but just that like classic, just yelling over and over and just sort of bringing up this frenzy. It's, it's not a happy ending. Um, God, I mean, it just reminds me of like, I forget kind of the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but the remake, the 78 remake is like one of my favorite, like five star horror yeah. films. So if just I captures- remember right, the, the, the original one, he's like running through the street, yelling kind of helplessly or something like that. And a truck rolls by and has a bunch of pods in the back of it and he doesn't see it it's something like that i don't think that's exactly right but it is very like oh you're screwed so i can tell you how the original and i was just kind of saving it for things of note because i thought it was interesting you know the director tommy lee wallace talking about his direct influence from the original invasion of the body snatchers Mm, yeah so how he described it again i haven't seen it in a long time was that 
that like kind of the actual ending of it was Kevin McCarthy going, you're next, you're next, you know, which is a clip used in a lot of things and almost like turning to camera and yelling that, which is great. And that's where it was supposed to cut out. But then what he said that they did is because of studio, blah, 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 or whatever, they had to tag on some sort of safer ending of like, maybe actually the day was saved. I forget exactly what it was, but they had Hmm. to do some sort of tag that wasn't just yelling your next. So this ending was his sort of way of trying to, in a way, do that original ending as Don Siegel, that director, intended for the original Invasion of the Body Snatcher. <laughs> Interesting. So I love that he could do it. Um, but kind of similarly to maybe more the 78 Invasion of the Body Snatchers of just just sort of taking on that feel, especially just in that last, like just that kind of that last half of the last act of just there's no escape and everything's going wrong and you just feel gross inside. Like you have... Ellie, who's this character who it's like, great, at least she's here. She's fun to be along with. And to have her just have this weird, horrible fate where it's either, uh, depending on your read on it, that she is a (laughs) robot the whole time. Or what I think is more fun is, you know, somewhere in her being captured, they replaced her with a robot somehow. That was Um, my take. Yeah, that's how that she was replaced. But yeah, that's an interesting question could she have been a robot all along yeah it uh hmm. it, yeah the the writer director said he definitely like when he was writing it imagined it was like she was replaced but at the same time the first question asked in a Q&A screening 10 years ago of this film the guy was like so which one was it was Elliot robot the whole time or was he replaced and he was just kind of laughed and was like I don't know I'm just the director <laughs> you know <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, but that were, I don't know, at first that kind of thing was, I just felt so like, oh no, you know, getting caught up in the fantasy of it all. Um, that, you know, that she dies or gets replaced and how tragic it was. But then with that really dark ending, that end ending, I'm just like, oh no, this feels so appropriate of just like this no escape feel. Like that's what helps build to, like I hate that it's sort of, at the expense of the death of the woman. But I mean, in the context of the story, that's what helps build, uh, our <laughs> doctors, um, our do- Dr. Chalice's and ours kind of fervor and anger at just everything, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that sequence itself in like, that's another just clear B movie influence thing. It's just love it so much of when he's fighting her as a robot. Yeah. From I, like, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. From that, like <laughs> the shots that are the insert shots where it's clearly like her arms, like she's just out of view or whatever. And he's fighting with the arm uh, to then when like the aftermath, when it's like her head and a body double, you know, <laughs> like lying on the ground. And I, to each other I love separate. how hard he hits her head with that tire iron. It, it it's it's really visceral like yeah. <laughs> whatever um whatever prop they made up for that shot of like the actual impact was very very effective because yeah they're like i almost wonder if they did a take and he kind of like you know muffed it where it just like didn't it just didn't land right or he didn't do it hard enough and they're like no 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 dude you need to crank this head <laughs> And he's like, oh, uh, okay, here we go. And just walloped the fuck out of it. (laughs) Well, 
Yeah, I mean, whether he's pushed to or not, him going all out just to sort of comment on his character and who Tom Tom Atkins is as an essence. He's totally like the kind of, um, oh God, I don't want to get into these words again. I was going to say archetype, but the uh, <laughs> the kind of kind of personality or character of like the dead and buried guy, the, the yeah. Sheriff, yeah. sheriff from Stranger Things, but that kind of just, you know, show up in his with his bulky frame and, and, uh, giant and hope, head. Yeah. <laughs> and his, uh, Oh God, this is so funny. His like tan jacket. He's wearing the whole movie just cracks me up. <laughs> so eighties. So, so early eighties. Um, uh, but like, just kind of also like, just like a, a funny, just kind of flirt and charmer, but like he has a huge heart. You can tell. And just, he cares so much. He wants to save the day so bad and do the right thing so much. He's kind of friends with everyone too. Friends. He's, just, he's yeah. banging everybody. That's, that's who <laughs> right. he is. Right. Yeah. Come no, on. As, as I said that I was, I was catching myself too. I'm like, wait, who are his male friends in this film? <laughs> I don't he know. doesn't have any. Yeah, um, he only has women around him. They all seem to love him, though. To to all their well, credit, except for his wife. His wife right. hates him. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> but just that kind of uh, that that real live wire to put in to just drop into one of these you know situations is just so much fun to watch him just like uh, put set him loose and watch to see if he can dispel the uh, the 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 evil guy's plan <laughs> if he could be the the wrench in the the wrench in the gears to it all so it's just it's fun to see that play out i mean that's actually i think i'm kind of hitting hitting everything i had here i only briefly when talking about the overall mood mentioned the music but I just mm. want to say how much, almost I want to say uh, to make up for we didn't mention it in Halloween Kills because we had so much other great things to say. Mm. But like, just to shout out the music and that, John Carpenter, and sorry again, I forget the name of his collaborators on that, but just was great, great Halloween Kills and also great in this film. Were Alan Howarth. For this film? Yep. Okay, for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, great. Um, the, I mean, from the get-go, it just strikes, again, that incredible tone. It's just so perfect where that sort of, like, like a, like a, like a, like a slash or like, um, I guess like a stinger <laughs> that comes in at the beginning. <laughs> right. And then we got that. I'm just going to be doing an impression of it here. The wall <laughs> that comes in underneath right. that. It's so effective and. I mean, it's always great in all his films, but there's something again with the word this this film is just all about that 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 um, that meeting point between technology and uh, other forces. Um, that just seems so especially spot on to have his signature synth score mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. and I guess even though like I'm never a huge fan of even just kind of like the the jump scare that's not a jump scare almost just the kind of like, Oh, there they are moment. Like I just loved it every single time in this because it was the combination of the weird robot dudes and that stinger of the soundtrack coming in <laughs> just whenever they appeared <laughs> it happens multiple yeah. times. And I just got a kick out of it every single time. Just, Oh, here we go. Uh, so shout out to the music. 
And uh, shout out to everything else I loved about this film that I've already said. I think it's time we hear what Tim didn't like about it. (laughs) All right. All right, then here we go. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) Well, first of all, I had to restrain myself here. So some of the things that worked for you were major things that didn't work for me. So I, I as I listened, I, I tried to write them down. There's four main ones. Okay. Okay. So the first thing you said was that, that you liked the story that sort of this mashup. Um, I don't like that. I, I, I don't know exactly how to solve what I don't like about it, but it feels it feels like a mess to me that it's like he's a doctor, but he's also doing detective stuff, but he's also a horrible husband, but he's also like a schmoozer with the women, but also it's Irish, but it's witches. And I know those are sort of supposed to be related, but it doesn't feel related because it's like, it's Halloween, but it's St. Patrick's Day because of the shamrocks. You know what I mean? So to me, there's this kind of mixing of iconography within the story and also within Dr. Dan's character that feels like it's messy and mixed up and confusing and not not right, I guess, to me. Like, it's... It's like, I don't know, it just doesn't, it just feels messy. It doesn't gel in the end. Yeah. And so, in a way, I almost feel like the oh, oh, maybe a pathway you could go down to kind of f- help those things is to, I get what they're trying to do because those things in this, the story that they present are all logically connected but they don't feel related in their in their essence and so i think what maybe needed to happen for me to kind of jump on board is let's take the paganism and the the mixing of the ancient power with modern power that that baseline i can get behind but in order for that to work like really really stay close to that um forget about him being irish forget about all the irish stuff just say he's he's an ancient pagan druid and that's enough, right? Like, just hone in on that because that is the thing that we relate closest to Stonehenge. Isn't that God. what does come through? It's what they say, but it's not what's presented sort of in the sort of visual and like iconography You're saying the, stuff. The, any Irish iconography gets in the way of the more general pagan witchcraft stuff, which is also there. Exactly. Yeah, it it 
yeah, it's it's distracting to me because the second you show a shamrock, I'm I'm mixing metaphors or I'm mixing holidays really in my brain. Like shamrocks and pumpkins don't go together. Witches and pumpkins go together. The movie's called Season of the Witch. He needed to be more witch, less Irish. Maybe I'm just like so stereotypical American or whatever, but just like all that stuff I just grew. I'm like, yeah, Irish pagan, whatever. It's like, I don't know. It's just all, it's all, it's all ancient stuff. Shamrock, Stonehenge. Okay. I get it. See, Shamrocks and Stonehenge don't go together. Stonehenge is in Bath, England. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's a weird connection that just nobody ever makes. If you historically want to be really specific, sure, maybe I don't. I mean, I'm not a historian. I don't know. Like maybe the people who made Stonehenge are the people who also ended up being Irish. I, I don't know. See, I yeah, I didn't. I guess I wasn't expecting or I would never make a direct connection. It just all is just feels like just old stuff. From but that Europe. I think that's my problem is that it feels a little too like, yeah, 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 that's all related, right? And I think that's where I get derailed because the same kind of applies to the doctor where it's like he's only a doctor because they they set the first murder in a hospital. Like, nothing about him being a doctor adds to the story or adds to his character arc at all. There's one scene where he's like, what happened? I'm a doctor. Let me in there. (laughs) It's like, who gives a shit? It's for me, the, the point of that was or what I or my experience when watching it that way is it makes it more feeling like he's just an every man who got wind of this this um evil plot. Um. Y- yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but doctors aren't every man like characters I, to me. You know what I mean? Like doctors are doctors. Maybe I see my my. I you know I have a doctor dad. Maybe that's what I'm like. <laughs> okay, very, there you go. Very, very familiar in my life. That that now we now we know why you you like this movie so much. Yeah, you I, see you see your dad in Doctor Dan with his mustache and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay, so that that be that as it may, the next thing that you said is how you like that, like the the victims of this horror are kids, right? And the, the kids are sort of at risk. Well, what it makes me feel like and sort of a thing that's that I kept, couldn't quite put my finger on of why I was like not feeling the plight of Dr. Dan is that if kids you know all over the world are the people who are going to suffer he either needs they kind of do this where he's not a great dad he's kind of just like he's trying but he's failing you either need to really double down to me on him being kind of like a failure as a dad and have us feel that connection or or disconnection between him and kids like he he doesn't seem to care all that much about his kids yeah i i agree that feels like it could have been just a more um 
kind of like a checking in point with him along the way. But I think what what just saved it for me was and I like felt completely grounded again and I didn't I didn't need anything more than this was that one scene where his very like as soon as he escapes like you're like he's running to do something and we get it his very first action is to call home and tell the wife hey don't put those masks on the kids like that right. kind of took care of that for me so so I think you know there's a few ways that it could have been f- helped for me one would be to sort of put his kid into the movie somehow more immediately i don't personally like that but i can see that like helping it along the other which i think is a very cool idea without spending too much time thinking about it because it's probably got issues too but like what if the main characters were kids and not an adult running around like to me the just the idea of that suddenly gets me going ooh there's all sorts of possibility with that maybe it's the babysitter like not to like you could have actually made a connection more to the halloween previous halloween movies by just saying oh we've got another babysitter who's tasked with looking after these kids and she or he gets wrapped up into this thing you make it the person just old enough so they can get in a car and drive the like another kid around like that creates a better uh, sense of danger for me and also eliminates this just really unpleasant thing about the doctor's character and the sort of sex like creep vibe that exists with how they depicted this character like He's just so he's just gross to me all around. Like he's not redeemable in any way. He's cheating on his wife with like 50 other people. I don't care if his wife sucks. Divorce your wife. Like all of that stuff adds to him just sucking. Uh, I took every time I've seen this that they are divorced. Okay. Not that that changes anything greatly, but just maybe just It would enough. help if it was more clear, I guess. <laughs> it would help if, if he was a swinging single guy. That's literally how I watched the movie, yeah. It did not, for me, may, I mean, I maybe I missed it. It did not feel that way. It felt more like he's avoiding his family. And that's what he's being accused of. I saw he was avoiding his family, but maybe it's just, I get that sense uh, I I don't know. I just pick up on that vibe so much of like when he enters the house, I'm like, oh, this is they're separated, you know. Yeah, this nothing explicitly like to told me that, so I didn't make that assumption. Um, okay, so that moving on, kids as char- as main characters, uh, maybe would oh yeah yeah make yeah me like it more. Can I say one thing to that or before you if yeah. you're going to go on to something else? Um, yeah, yeah. it's fun because I could. I I almost equally get excited for like I see what you're saying. I kind of equally get excited for another kind of movie, you know, picturing that where, you know, I said Goosebumps is one of the influences, just where that right. it, it would be more in that direction. But there is a thing that happens with those movies, even though like I'm always someone who's talking about, you no, know, like kids, teenagers, like your reality at that age is just as like you are when you're an adult. It's just as valid and things are just as scary. You aren't lesser of a person. Yet, I will say for a film 
there is an effect that maybe it's just I don't know. Uh, could be more to this. I'm not saying it's cut and dry, but for a film, it does feel like when you have adults at the center of it, there's something just more plugged into like how just dark and messed up the world is or can be. So just the kind of just that that overall just dark feel that comes through through this film. I don't know if it would quite as much if there were younger people at the center of it. So that's why I think I'm, you know, I don't know. It's, as I said, I could get excited for that version, but I like what setting it in adult land kind of does in, in that tonal sure. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd have to be really careful about the ages of the kids that you pick. That makes a huge difference as to how all of that stuff lands. Um, okay. So the next one was like, you really like the snakes and the bugs and the ambiguity of all of that. I just am like, it's, it's too disconnected. Yes, it's cool, but like <laughs> I need a little bit more, just a little bit more. What the fuck is going on? Like why – like the magic is so ill-defined or undefined either way. I, I'm like I'm not – I can't even get on board with the threat if it's just complete bullshit nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I needed more – like – just give me one line that tells me why it's snakes and bugs. Something. Yeah, that's so Something. funny. Yeah, that that would ruin it for me. Like, for me, it's <laughs> like I am watching it from maybe just a very accepting kid, like, mindset where I go, ooh, this this is the magic of this thing. And the fact that I don't know how it works, just it feels like just that much more kind of scary and unknown and there's just unknown powers at play just because that yeah. face value i take it versus if they did some kind of connecting thread i just kind of be like okay cool kills versus this on top of that some kind of undercurrent of ooh, what's this what is this what is this <laughs> sure sure um i think almost honestly all it would take is a a broader uh, a broader connection to witchery and like the associations we make with witches of like potions and eye of newt and batwing and like these sort of iconic ideas of like what goes into making magic for a witch if you just had a little bit of that somewhere somehow i would be more on board with with the <laughs> With the heads turning into bugs or whatever. Yeah, that get, that's funny. I guess that is the obvious connection with them. Yeah. So, okay. So the last thing that I w wanted to address in regards to our differences in how we see this is that to I walk away from this movie being like, this whole movie is just one big troll. Like, it's just trolling me as a viewer with the, like, with the theme song and with the, like, non-ending ending and with, like, just, just the sort of, it's like, it's a Halloween movie, but it's not a Halloween movie. Like, all of those things feel borderline like a middle finger. Wait, me. wait, you gotta, uh, what do you mean non-ending ending? Because this for me, it's a great, it is an ending and it's a great ending. It's not pat. I hate, I just especially for horror movies. Like I don't want it like, or this kind of story, like God, leave it with that chilling invasion of the body snatchers. Like what's gonna, ha you know, where are we at? Uh, yeah. 
it just feels, I don't know. It doesn't feel good to me. I don't know what that means exactly, but it, it's partially him. And I think I just, I have a really hard time with him as somebody to care about what he thinks. And so by the time we get to the end, I'm like, I don't, I don't care that he's upset. It's, it's a weird, there's a weird just disconnect happening with him as a character for me and his plight. Um, I'd almost rather, I don't know, maybe it's right that he's, that he, because he's such a kind of <laughs> un, unpleasant dude that, that it's fitting that he's in that position to, to be powerless but it just not none of it comes together to feel like an ending that is satisfying even if it were a cliffhanger ending like even that's unsatisfying to me so that's just a matter of subjective I can, feeling i guess i mean i can see what you mean like there's n- maybe isn't like a clear like arc or thread that's sort of playing on his character um but for me who's not really interested in those things, I guess, at, uh, or it's not the top thing I'm interested um, in movies because he's such a type that is about the immediacy of the moment and like that emotion of the moment. I think like that's what I'm plugging into. So it's like just this enough that he's been on this big journey with a singular goal to stop this for me to like get caught up with him yelling for it to stop at the end. Um, yeah. I mean, so- I, <laughs> yeah, this is of- such a personality thing because you, I think you are the type of person. And like, I watched this going, he's going to love this. <laughs> like, this is the thing that you love. Like you love a good troll in a way, you know? And I, I don't mean don't that it's a purposeful it a troll, troll, but like, yeah, you know, that that's sort of, that's your sensibility. And it's so different than mine that you, this movie actually is doing a lot of the things that that y- are your things <laughs> that are that are very far from the things that are my things. I just right? don't, it's just one of those movies. But I just don't even see how you define it as a, a trolling. Like a trolling for me would be like the twist is that it all wasn't real and it's just kind of in this <laughs> well, like. that's true, yeah. But it's, it's kind of in this like ha-ha take that audience which like can or cannot you know like i i just don't see how this is a, a trolling at all like it just feels like the exact story that it is watching it play out like it's it's just dark for me it's just a downer yeah the commercial and the music and the 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 sort of continuation of that is a big part of it because i just by the end i'm like i've like i've checked out because i can't hear i can't have to listen to that fucking song again and that that's part of what (laughs) feels like a troll to me like i'm just like it's too much yeah for me it's uh effectively unsettling and frustrating but that's my point of like that's my point is i think you really like that feeling and and i know you like the the idea of making other people have that feeling i think yeah maybe it is more like that that intellectual thing. I don't know. It's a weird like snaking its teal- tail thing where it's like yeah. it starts as something I just hate. And maybe I did when I like I first saw it. Then I intellectualize it 
And then unconsciously, maybe that feeds into my just like, it just gets under my skin on a whole nother way, you know, as I just kind of accept it for what mm-hmm. it is and just see, I'm like, whoa, again, not breaking the fourth wall sense. Right, right. Meta. Um, okay, so those are my things. Those are my things in relation to what you said in what worked. Um, and that pretty well covers, like, obviously a lot of my issues. But um, I just couldn't – I just couldn't get on the ride. There's, like – it feels – I don't know how to describe this by the time he's tied up and whatever and like doing his James Bond thing. I'm like, this is not the dude. (laughs) And I think that that's a big part of it is just how we personally relate to a hero character. As subjective as it is, we know we know when it works in a broader universal way sense and this casting as much as i like i actually really appreciate tom for what he is and who he is but it just never felt correct to me and i don't know i i don't actually know like if you were to put a different type of leading guy in that role would it be better or would I feel differently? I, I don't know. It's But he's so just, <laughs> he's so just weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so who he is too. That's, I don't know. I, I, I get what you mean, how it feels like, and this is maybe what took me a while to get like on board with the movie where it's like close enough to maybe something that could be a little more like realistic playing out the sequence of events, horror films, but it's like really at its heart, this kind of this, this B movie story as I see it and just not Mm -hmm. trying to be anything more kind of thing. And I think something about his, his person type uh, plugs into the latter more than the former of, uh, type of film yeah yeah i don't know i think ultimately honestly mustache. I, I i'm derailed the second he starts flirting and like getting excited about going off with this girl who looks like she's about 17 <laughs> right <laughs> and i'm like no this doesn't gel with me i'm sorry he's like middle-aged bro grabbing his miller high lives you know <laughs> I wish that moment was where I wish I was watching it with you, Tim, when it's like trying to play it all like nonchalant, but like has already bought a six pack for them. He like hides under his jacket. I In just, the, 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 <laughs> co- the commentaries for this film, they're like, they're like really making fun of it, of the whole situation. It's funny. That, that moment. I, I mean, I don't know, man, it, it's it's of it's of an ilk and a outlook on like masculinity and and like an era in particular of like cool guyness that like being a swinging dick cool guy where you get to go maybe get laid is such a off-putting thing to me as a character 
type that like it's it's almost in a way the opposite of like a save the cat moment. You know what I mean? It's like you you kind of want to you can have a really despicable lead character if you do some form of something to get you on board with him. And this like I feel like just does the opposite. He slaps his colleague's ass <laughs> in the hallway. Well, what I mean, if that's the relationship. No, Ryan. <laughs> That's not, that's, it's, no, no. Have we learned nothing? Like, it's, it's just solidifying him as a gross, misogynistic, like, douche. Like, that's just not, it's not redeemable. And so, like, he's doing that stuff from the get-go. He's, like, you know, a shitty dad, a shitty dude, a shitty, like, boss, a shit, you're just, like, he just sucks and as a character, and I, I almost feel bad for Tom Atkins because I'm like, I wouldn't want to play this dude. Like, I just wouldn't. So I, for me, that's really, it's kind of a hard no where I just go, I'm out. I can't get involved in this guy's story. It's weird. I maybe I'm like coming from a place like, uh. I don't know. He he only actually my kind of in for him was hearing like a lot of women horror fans talk about like how much they love him. And that like, doesn't I, make it better. It doesn't make it okay <laughs> for me. I mean, I didn't even finish, but finish. But like I was saying, they they kind of turn me on to this this weird innate charm that he has. That's like he's a he's like a dork, but like I don't know. I don't know. I just I just think I don't know. I just like him. Yeah, well, I don't. So there you are. And and that colors everything as far as my experience with the movie is it's I can never get on board in you know, notwithstanding all the other things I said. I like his character is enough for me to be off the train almost right away. So it's it made it very difficult. And you know, so be it. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Who's uh... nothing against Tom, man. Nothing against Tom. I, I really do think it's a lot to do with the era and the, the, the way that they write this character. And I think if they were aiming at some of, of that speaking to some broader thing, for me, it was it just failed. But, you know. That's the way it goes sometimes. Sorry, Dr. Dan. I should say that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this his jacket is just so stupid. I just... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like, I can't... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. Great. I know. I was just looking at my notes being like, oh, wait, I didn't really have anything. It was just that at first Ellie's fate made me sad, but then when we got to the ending ending of just how, how dark it is, I'm like, Oh no, this plugs in. Yeah. All right. Then I guess we're set for our next section. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Here we go. Wrap it up with that season of the witch things of note. This should be interesting. Well, I had fun digging into the various 
special features and whatnot. Just different tidbits from all that. You want to hear hear any of that? Of course I do. Great. Well, we know it's it's pretty interesting. This is a pretty unique case in film history, Tim. I mean, our listeners probably already are aware of this. It's pretty common Halloween 3 season of The Witch Knowledge. But uh, this was meant to be the first in a sort of what could be yearly anthology of Halloween films. Hmm. Where you would just have a, it could be completely different story, tone, whatever, whatever, just with the common theme that it would be set on Halloween. Or a common theme, I might say common theme, it would be set on Halloween. Um, but it's just so interesting because you feel like that could have worked if Halloween 2 didn't exist. Because it just doesn't really make up much sense to go, one Michael Myers, two Michael Myers, three something completely different. Like, I get why right. people were totally thrown off. And it was interesting, a lot of the fans who were the original fans of this, who, like, appreciated for what it was at the time, they were saying, like, oh, yeah, well, I was, you know, I knew from Fangoria or whatever that there was no Michael Myers. So I was set, you know, that going into it. They weren't distracted by it. Okay. But, like, <laughs> it's just so interesting that either if this really was the second one, or they had some other handling of it or didn't... I mean, the only thing that got it greenlit was that it was a Halloween 3. But even if it was just like Halloween season of The Witch, you know, just it's so interesting how... Because I don't think it's a bad idea in essence of this idea of this yearly anthology film that could have then each one of those have their own spinoffs and sequels. But uh, just how just how it played out... Uh, you know, specifics matter. So it's this interesting case of uh, film horror film history here. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, great. Uh, the song, our our least favorite favorite is jingle. It was fun. That was <laughs> from uh, that was the voice of Tommy Lee Wallace doing that jingle who he was actually it's pretty cool so he was like heavily creatively involved with the original halloween and john carpenter deborah mm. hills movies up to that point where he is like uh, a co-editor and a musician so sort of would help come up with a lot of temp stuff um but yeah anyway he uh yeah they he sort of oh he's he's also the voice of on the commercial of like gather around kids all that mm -hmm. stuff is fun oh i mean i kind of already mentioned all this but i think knowing about uh how i love it's it's b-movie influences invasion of the body snatchers yada yada but i did think maybe maybe that is one thing that helped me plug into it is hearing tommy lee wallace talk directly about the influences where you know, he mentions, yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but then also mentions B-movies like The Giant, Gila Monster, and The Killer Shrew. But then also sort of mentions, you know, combined with, like, the, um, the, there's, um, there's an evil unknown plot with a community at foot. So, like, Stepford Wives and then John Frankenheimer's mm. Seconds, mm -hmm. which I've recommended and I think is great. So kind of like the middle ground of those those types of films you think that clear b movie and then this sort of yeah um evil plot is afoot and what he said specifically which i kind of repeated earlier is he loves that those films they 
they don't try to be anything more than that. So I think that's really what I appreciate and plug into is this this like early 80s era melding of those two exact things. So that maybe does allow me to like forgive a lot about, you know, needing needing everything just to kind of gel or have a a bow on it. Um but at the or no, I don't know. I mean, not necessarily that. This that I didn't need more necessarily. It's exactly that. I needed less. <laughs> they needed less, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You know what else is cool? Hmm. Production company Dino De Laurentiis. Right, they're the company that did the second, uh, did did Evil Dead Two, but then got into this very protracted, uh sort of issue with universal to make army of darkness and the rights. And they ended up being a co-production and all this stuff. And that happened many years. Like this movie was a co-production well distributed by universal um, and produced by Dina De Laurentiis in 82 army of darkness was 90, 92. I think is when they were having their debate ended up coming up and uh, coming out in 93 so it's like ten, 10 years of relationships di- didn't do them very well <laughs> leading into Army of Darkness apparently but like you know pretty um pretty cool to see how Dino De Laurentiis in particular really did have a hand in a lot of these iconic horror films. Oh yeah. Um yep, Dino De Laurentiis corporation look at that guy so italian (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no it's it's fun it's i mean forget the names aside and everything but just the the franchise as a whole there's been a lot of passing back and forth of the executive producers who owns the Mm -hmm. rights all their feelings on how this film came to be whether they are for it or against it it's interesting um all right uh let's see (laughs) that I thought you might appreciate this, Tim, from a filmmaking standpoint. Um, the shot when uh, Dr. Dan's escaping from the room, how he covers the the security camera with the mask. <laughs> I actually so, did like that. Yeah. So apparently, uh, to, uh, you know, everyone's kind of like, oh, God, how, you know, this is how long is this going to take? Are you sure this is going to work, director? Da, da, da. Uh yeah, the Tommy Lee Wallace was like, yeah, no, of course he can. And like threw it on and just like no problem got it on there, you know, b- before rolling, before rehearsals, before anything. Just got to like almost prove a point, you know, in the moment. And as soon as he did it, everyone's like, oh, no, because they knew now he like j- <laughs> jinxed it. Mm-hmm. So it was so funny. Proved that it could be done. But then, you know, he just got to pick the number. He said that it took till like take 49 to get it on again. <laughs> oh my god it's so funny. one in it's like, 50 wow Fun. yeah um let's <laughs> see uh i was yeah i'm curious does it like i don't know maybe again it's because like I, I read about the background before but feeling like less gross about his character you know i heard the um, the actor um who plays ellie stacy nelkin like just hearing from her talk about how she Loved the character of Ellie, just liked her and a big part, or not a big part of that, but she said an aspect of that was being interested in older guys, which she was. So I don't know, maybe it's just 
I don't know. I'm just looking at it from a different standpoint, or I'm somehow more forgiving because of that. Listen, but. W- women and anybody are allowed to like what they what they like. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the optics of an older man and a woman who looks extremely young getting like kind of involving each other in this in this male sort of hey i'm cool i'm 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 a charmer i'm this i'm that it's it's the the optics and the, like the the way that that makes me feel i don't care if women are attracted to older men like that's irrelevant that i go go for it that's not that's not the takeaway for me when i see this <laughs> like it's yeah, the feeling no, no, that i no, get I, when you depict an older dude being like <laughs> you know that's weird and gross feeling to me yeah i get what you mean she even looks like younger than a bond girl in a way and it's like plus the added context of <laughs> she's she's the daughter in this situation right exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly well you'll like this i mean to even like make your point even more like i remember watching it and being like um you know when there's the the other woman that shows up at the motel marge mm-hmm. um being like man she's she's actually you know more likely to be his wife kind of thing that actor was his wife at oh. the time <laughs> That's funny. It's <laughs> like whole weird situation there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, not to go, to go down the rabbit hole too, too much, but like the trope of the kind of not goofy. What's a good word? The lumbering older man and the like super young, beautiful starlet ingenue sort of getting together is just it's so overdone and so kind of like living in this fantasy this male fantasy realm that it's like now we're at a point in cinema where it's like if i see that again i just am immediately like ugh. like can we do something else and i get it this movie was made in 82 so whatever but it it still has that effect on me yeah it's weird. But, but, I mean, but hey, don't don't do the reverse. Don't you dare do the reverse. Don't have a young, hot guy, a 19, 20 year old guy getting with a 50 year old woman. Don't do it because rest assured, Twitter and every critic out there will lose their fucking minds. And we've seen it happen. Like we, there was a really interesting article recently about the Bond movie and how people were being like, are we still doing this old man, young woman trope? And it. And, you know, maybe that's justified to to this in the same way that I'm speaking of it. But I I will say the woman in Bond is like 35 or something like that. So it's a little less of the thing that we're talking about. Um, Right. And he only shakes hands with Anna de Armas. (laughs) Exactly. But then you flip you flip it and you go to another Daniel Craig movie, which is specifically what the reversal of this thing when he's a young man and he gets with this like 60 or 50 year old woman and you read the reviews of that movie. I forget what it's called, but back in like when that happened, people lost their minds. They're like, you can't do this. You can't have a, an older woman being sexually attracted to a young man. That's unacceptable. So like the double standard is just crazy in, in the history of film. And so 
I think when you see a trope being furthered now, it's important to at least just say, yeah, that's kind of a double standard and a, a thing that maybe we should move away from and see stories about either more realistic or just different than what we've been seeing over and over again. How long so, ago was that Daniel Craig movie? Just because I, I mean, maybe it's a I'm, while. I mean, it's probably 15 years ago, I would okay. guess. I, I don't remember what it's called. So, I mean, God, I mean, that's so it's infuriating to think of people like just inherently thinking there's something bad or wrong with that. That's such a horrible, unthinkable yeah, it's double funny standard. Like, I'm, I'm pretty but, sure that's like the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't people know. are like you can't do it maybe i'm more like optimistic about people in some regards but like i just feel like nowadays like it would be a talking point like people would would like you know be i don't know it'd be aware like about it or like they'd say something about it but it would be in like a positive good we're getting this now sense i like, think i think if that movie was made today sure you know what I mean? Like, I think we're getting into that realm. And so that's cool. Um, but like when this movie was made, 82, I almost feel like we're at the height of that trope or like getting into an era where it became like, that's really the thing. Um, so, you know, yes, if you... Yeah, the movie is called The Mother. It was made in 03. So, you know, 20 years ago. Going on 20 years about it. Yeah. Anyway, so that makes enough about that. But I think the point is taken or made or whatever. Well, Tim, uh, we're working on uh, decorating. A future dismembering horse studios someday maybe actually never mind i won't put this on you i was hoping you'd like this movie more than you would but there's some great <laughs> halloween three season of the witch merchandise available oh it's sure. officially licensed to uh trick or treat studios i just wanted to shout them out i think you can get to them trick or treat studios.com but they've got like they do incredible work on all these licenses where they have like the life-size gremlin puppets you can get or, you know, it's, it's standees um, or puppets. Yeah, whatever. Um, but they have, like, every variation you could imagine of Michael Myers' masks. They're really incredible. Like, even, like, the new cool. Michael My or Halloween Kills burnt variation, you know, all Ooh. that. But then, like, just coming out for this Halloween season, they have the three season of the witch masks that like now glow in the dark and they're better than all the versions, you know, more accurate than the other versions they've made. But cool. I liked the little stuff that they had. They had like, um, like a, a silver shamrock final processing sign. <laughs> you could get just fun stuff like that. But they have old stuff like universal monsters, like all this, like a invisible man bust, all this, all this neat stuff. So just shout out to them. Uh, check them out, trickortreatstudios.com. Not trick or treat, trick or treat studios. Sweet. Um, so, okay. I think, do you have anything else as far as? Just a weird moment okay. that I was like, just wanted to shout out and be like, was this just me, Tim? Or would anybody actually do this? Um, where when, 
when uh, Ellie gets out of the shower and has her, she puts her towel on for like one second and then like immediately goes over to and takes the comforter off the bed and just puts that on instead when she's still soaking wet. I, I uh, mean, I, I guess I thought the stay exact warm, same thing. Like, my girlfriend you? was like, in the moment, she goes, nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it would just take the kind of person who's so just like, I don't care. I'm just, I don't know. It was so funny. I'm, I'm glad you guys, <laughs> glad you guys noticed that too. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Getting your, your blankets wet. Yeah. It's maybe it's that movie thing where it's like people are never like, they, when people get out of showers, it's like they never take long to dry at all. You know, it's like right. people come well, dry out of showers. Well, my issue with that moment was that the prop guy gave her the absolute smallest towel you can imagine to wrap around your body in the first place. Well, you know, to to even maybe prove your point about um, the this being indicative of a time. <laughs> so she had a, a no nipple clause. So it really feels like everything in this movie like shots with her are like how can we show everything but her nipple they're like <laughs> right exactly. with it's like the overhead shot it's like it's just down to like just the careful mm-hmm. couple inches to not show her nipple couple inches <laughs> like, how small can we get uh yeah how small of a towel can we get on her yeah yeah so so be it of its era what did you say what you had something else so what well I was going to say if we've if we've concluded remarking on this movie specifically I think we should wrap up our month of threes and kind of see where we landed. Good call. Thanks for bringing us back all around. Absolutely. Well, I mean I guess we you know just wrap up Halloween 3 season of the witch by saying is an approach on a third film of what to do with the franchise. If we're looking at third films as simply being, how do you hone what it's already doing? This one's attempt to that was, all right, let's take it as broadly as just setting something on Halloween. So Mm -hmm. again, interesting case study. Um, and I can transition a bit saying, you know, I was talking to the same friend who pointed out about Halloween H2O being could also be a third mm-hmm. you know, or resets the timeline once. And um, he was just kind of he was someone who was kind of supporting, you know, what we already shouted out about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, how it's a fan favorite. He's like, oh, yeah, it's my favorite one out of them. And just thought he's like interesting to talk to him. And um, I mean, we liked it, too, so we can see why. But again, he was, I don't know, he was saying in his own words too, how it's when the the idea congeals most. Like in the case mm-hmm. of the Nightmare Before Nightmare on Elm Street films, it's just that sweet spot of before. Like it's its own appeal to have Freddy just be like the sunglass wearing Freddy who then shows up on mail on uh, lunch boxes or whatever, you know? <laughs> like yeah. But there's the sweet spot it hits both in tone and story. And sort of promise of the premise that for me, at least like Elm Street and um, Friday the 13th part three really hit the sweet spot on. Yeah. And now I'm just trying to think of actual, I mean, I haven't, it's been a while since I've seen Halloween four. 
um, which would be the equivalent three in the chronology. Um, but when in, we are lo- in looking one at, chronology, Jesus. Yeah, but when you're looking, when we do look at Halloween Kills as the third, I don't know. I think it does do something really interesting as we look at the context of a third of doubling down on like if the first one and two, I mean the first one, especially it's all about that atmosphere tone, you know, minimal showing kills, minimal kills, yada, yada. It's just the the music and him standing there and the breathing, like, you know, hearing some sort of people who maybe didn't like Halloween kills so much, because they like that's their Halloween for them. That just makes me go, well, that is that Halloween. <laughs> you know, it's don't don't try to redo it, you know? Yep. So I'm mean, yeah, I was just trying to think more on the ways of Halloween kills does that kind of thing of continuing expanding the idea and maybe hone it of I don't know. I mean, when it comes down to it, he's just gonna kill anyone in his path who gets in his way. It just so happens that a lot of people intentionally get in his way and Halloween kills. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm saying. All is to say, I see it as the sort of natural continuation. I don't know if it's a honing of an idea. Maybe it could be just because like, let's just assume they made two more Halloweens that were exactly like this one, where it almost does make sense that Michael Myers would be you know, killing to the extent that a Jason would, depending on the specific circumstances of how they're trying to stop him. Um, I don't know. So it just felt like doing more with the character. I don't know. How do you suss out if like the Halloween franchise touching on the sort of any theories behind the thirds or the sort of continuation and honing? Like, did it does it hone anything? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I kind of have this conclusion that in a broad sense, what we what we've talked about that like kind of worked in terms of the third movies or the third installments of things is two different things, potentially one, broadly speaking, we we've liked the the movies that are able to take the premise of the movies that came before and further them, meaning take them and kind of do the same, but more. Um, And those seem to be a little more successful. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three does that. I think Halloween kills does that. Um, Friday the 13th doesn't really do it, but it does stand as sort of the the new depiction of jason like he the iconography of jason arrives then i feel like no i mean i definitely argue friday the 13th still in its own way fully does what you're talking about it's like the him getting the hockey mask i look at literal and figuratively it coming into itself as a franchise right the the second thing i think that really only Friday the 13th or I'm sorry Nightmare on Elm Street does but not even really that much but I, I think is maybe this is m- more my editorial view of the third installment of of movies is when we feel a sense of conclusion that 
the movies, you look at the movies from a broad beginning, middle and end standpoint. And so if you use that outlook, Halloween Kills really, what we talked about, what worked is that it's the middle of three distinct movies that have a beginning, middle, and end, but is muddied by this <laughs> reality that is the first movie is the setup for that new trilogy. Right. So I can say, yeah, that that is why it's, yeah, kind of the odd man out and why I'm trying to look at it as like a franchise as a whole, maybe just sort right. of, you know, takes more. And again, we aren't on up on the fourth one, pardon us. Um, but where I can see the similarities do exist, like it's the equivalent of, let's say, like we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, how cool it is with the expansion of Freddy's lore and backstory. Right. You know, his horrific origin story. Um, like for me, the equivalent of exploring that idea, uh, it, and what, what in order for that to work so well, it's like you have to somehow keep that sense of mystery around like the magic and the power and the sort of... Uh, uh, mystique, I don't know what you, what you call it all, the, the Freddy thing. Like, you can't over-explain it to the point he comes less scary. Like, there's a sweet spot, and, like, the background has to have something about it, you know, that says more, but also not too much. Um, and I think there's, the, yeah, so I think there's the equivalent of that in Halloween Kills with simply the expansion on discussions of evil and how right. you deal with it and how you face it. Because if that's what michael myers represents they do further what that all means and how he represents that and what do you do in face of that so that's you know yeah it's not the third and we don't have that overlap that's that kind of continuation is where i do see overlap yeah i mean i think you know you can get kind of wrapped up a little bit you know you know inadvertently into this idea of trying to fit puzzle pieces into a a structure, a specific structure. And like, it has to be this three act structure or whatever. Like there's also five act structure and lots of people can make the argument that that's a more effective version of things. I would have to brush up on what makes five act structure, what it is, but you know, you could say, maybe you could argue that like the, the Dan to come back to Daniel Craig for some reason, like the Daniel Craig Bond movies are, there's five of them. Maybe they somehow fit nicely into a five act structure thing. I, d I don't know. And if that's the case, maybe we could somehow suss out how the <laughs> Halloween movies work in a five act structure. So it's a little, to me, it's a like, you know, who cares? We're getting down this like arbitrary almost rabbit hole of of trying to yeah, shoehorn a thing into a thing it it's doesn't as messy really as matter just trying to yeah as messy as trying to define what is the third halloween movie <laughs> like <it's kind> of, <laughs> yeah, exactly that's exactly what we allowed us liberty to cover it the franchise twice yeah but i i will say i think like just to kind of circle back around for me does it conclude a story is that what your third one is doing if so I think often those will be more successful. Um, well, could say it concludes an arc more so because they've always gone on, but right. like it's it's the sure. Nancy yeah. arc that's concluded. Yeah, in, yeah in exactly. Night, so if that's yeah. the case, yeah, you know, 
yeah, for the most part, I think that when you make that decision, you, you know, that can be successful. Um, but I think even, even more importantly, are you furthering the thing that is working and, you know, doing the same, but more? Yeah. We'll have to wait another couple of years for Halloween ends to truly conclude the discussion right. in a way. And rest assured, we'll, we'll be covering it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it's just, you know, on, on Halloween three season of the witch, just to say like, if you know, they're, they are trying to, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, how do I put this? Like, just something interesting again in what they were trying to do with it of saying like Michael Myers is just like ace. And you know, you think of Halloween two does just take place on the same night. You could almost look at it as just like one big story, one big night. So you could just kind of look at it as this Michael Myers is the boogeyman story that we're telling just on a Halloween night. So I don't know. I just, I just think there's something cool with just, again, the idea of whether it's a second or a third one being like there's having Halloween as the common theme. I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I'm just sad in a way that it, it, it didn't catch on in that way. Cause I think that could be a really cool ongoing anthology idea. Maybe yeah. too much for now, but, um, Sorry, I had a bit more of a pointed way to say <laughs> something about how that ties into what we were talking about, but but whatever, just a, a lot can be done with the Halloween idea, so I think it's cool with a third one that they tried to do that. Sure, and they and they tried to make a statement about Season of the Witch universe is our universe where Halloween the movie is a movie. Right, we didn't talk about that in another meta sense. Um, I mean, not much to say on it, but ha Halloween exists in the world of Halloween 3. <laughs> it's on TV. <laughs> right, exactly. Whatever that does for you. Okay, I have one more thing to say about Halloween as a franchise. I saw this today, I think, on, on Twitter, and the person also said that they're sure that this idea is not, that not original to them. They were like, I'm sure somebody else has said this a million times, but it just occurred to them. The idea that every movie after the first Halloween up to the 2018 Halloween when Michael escapes, every Halloween movie between those two moments is Michael fantasizing while he's imprisoned. That those are the dreams and fantasies of a mental patient in an asylum. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> so every, you just like, it can include them if you think, <laughs> wait, 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 between what and what? So between the, the original uh -huh. and making the presumption of the current uh, canon, which is Halloween 78. Halloween 2018 and Halloween kills. If you presume that any other movie of Hall the Halloween movies, <laughs> maybe not season of the witch, but <laughs> you could probably fit that in that every other movie two, four, five, six, seven, H two O, whatever, whatever 
that all of those movies are fantasies of Michael's while he's uh, in the asylum. Um, that's fun. I think, though, you would have to cut H2O. Like, H2O is its actual own picking up with a story because H2O goes directly into Resurrection, and Resurrection is all about, like, reality TV, like, stuff. And I don't think Michael Myers sitting there in prison has any concept hey. of, like, evolving modes of technology. And you never know. Kelly you don't Ripa know what and... they're watching in there. <laughs> that he's... I love the real world. Yeah. <laughs> exactly i'm sure he's like it's been 30 years stuff's getting weird out there (laughs) at the end of every halloween movie that's not the first one or this new trilogy yeah just cut to michael Myers just sitting there in the institution just like just watching tv (laughs) just or looking at it just laying in bed whatever he does you know when he's coming up with all this stuff Right. right his walls are covered in like the script notes of all the other movies yeah he writes his own fan fiction basically <laughs> that'd be fun <laughs> well fan theories are uh fun to entertain though always usually you would uh pretty quickly fall through a hole i'd say yeah yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> all right well tim i mean God, uh, yeah. I feel like we've said most there is to say about the threes in a franchise kind of during and throughout with our clear examples, our non-Halloween examples. Mm -hmm. But I'm still glad that we wrapped up the month, though, with, I think very appropriately, the Halloween franchise. Yeah. And we'll, as I said, come back to it all and uh, for for Halloween kills someday, which... Halloween ends. Ends. Thank you. Yeah. Which they believe begin, it or not, begin filming uh, in January. So I, I will be shocked if that's the end of the Halloween franchise. I think it will be the end of the Laurie Strode franchise, yeah, or, or arc. Um, yeah, and I'll be curious to where they take it afterwards because I would be very cool with them ending it, and then we just wait another 10, 20 years if the world is still in a place where michael myers can be in conversation with it then great we'll see yeah i don't know i but yeah i have a feeling it's gonna make tons of money because it people it has the sense of being like like the friday the 13th the final chapter (laughs) being like (laughs) only the fourth one um yeah great cool man we did it happy halloween everyone yes well, we can wind down as we always do still with some recommendations and then we haven't talked about it, but I suppose we'll just do another hat pull too. That sounds good. See what we're doing sure. next week. All right. For recommendations. Um, well, I have one that's kind of on theme. I was gonna I had an almost one I did last week, but just because I watched um sort of a la- a missing piece in my John Carpenter oeuvre I hadn't seen which was Christine. Have you seen Christine? Wow, you haven't seen that. That's interesting. Yeah, I've seen it. it. It's wild. I was watching uh, Red Letter Media. They had like, they did their own kind of this fun ranking, two of them of their um, uh, top John Carpenter movies or just ranking them all. And this one was way up there for both of them. I like, oh shoot, I forget about that movie. I haven't seen it. So picked it up from the video store and... uh, God, I loved it. It was really good. Like quite this, the finale. 
<laughs> yeah, like the the way it, and it, uh, there's something that's a, a great melding of Stephen King and John Carpenter tone wise. And yeah. I forget if there's any more examples, but this God, it really it proves they really they're really simpatico with each other. The evolution of witnessing the car's powers, I think, was my favorite <laughs> thing, and just how those effects looked of it healing itself so cool very cool i i watched a whole thing on how they did that yeah it's wild neat i should check that out um but just from is this one of those movies where from the get-go like the opening sequence that's like it's like a flashback of the car on the conveyor belt and something goes wrong and like some of the the rock and roll music starts playing i'm just like oh this is wow this is a legit good film this isn't like a middling you know just kind of kind of working in places you know john carpenter movie you know he has such a range of his films cover i'm like oh the man cinematography I can... in it is amazing yeah oh yeah god i mean we should have shouted out for halloween 3 dean cundy like I, oh yeah i hope you at least thought the film looked gorgeous because I, yeah. I i loved how it looked that two three five everything the lighting great 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 but it's evident in, there it's evident in christine anyway i hadn't seen it i'm glad i have and you should check out The Fog and let us know what you think. I Yeah, I'd very much like to do that as soon as possible. Um, I had a nice experience, and that's fairly understated. So last second on, I think it was Sunday, um, my buddy texts me and he's like, hey, uh, sorry, late notice, but I just got an extra ticket for a double feature at the Chinese theater of evil dead Two and army of darkness. And I had just watched those cause I wanted to show Brit them. She had never seen them. And I was like, Oh, I mean, am I really up for watching them again? And I was like, well, they're on the big screen. That's kind of cool. Never done that. And then he goes Q and a with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm in. <laughs> I bought Britt a ticket so she could come. Um, and the Q&A was between the two movies, which I thought was very smart. And I'm, you know, I'm not really a, a, like a starstruck type person or whatever. Like that, like I just view those people as people and that's cool. But I will say that seeing Bruce Campbell and having him just sort of stand up there and like just just shoot the shit. He's such a yuckster. He knows how to please the crowd. Dude, it was like the most pleasing. Like, I, I can't think of a time in recent years that I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is this is really like a, a true treat for me just as a person to like see this per this dude that I, I admire and you know have watched you know arguably I've watched Evil Dead 2 more than any other horror film and so it, it, there's just something really nice about getting to have this type of experience where you're like oh yeah cool I get to actually see this person in real life as a person and it was extremely just great it was really fun and he's yeah like you said he's a yuckster he, he played it up mostly just asked people he th was throwing it at, back at the audience to be like well what'd you think like who'd seen it who hadn't seen it did you like it like he's great 
and it and he went on and on like at one point the the stage manager person or handler or whatever you call them like leaned out and gave him the like five minutes to go symbol and i kind of was like okay he went on for like another 20 minutes <laughs> he's like yeah i'm not done so it was amazing all Great. of that is to say i since i already recommended evil dead 2 um army of darkness is a is a, a given so i'm not going to recommend dead that what i'm going to recommend dead is my favorite Bruce Campbell non-horror TV show. And it's, I think there's only one season. It's called The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And it's this weird sci-fi, I think kind of time travel-y Western. It's bizarre, but it is so, so, so everything you want from Bruce Campbell in like an era when he still was very much able to do all of the stuff that he was good at, um, which is something he talked about. He's like, you know, at a certain point you can't fall on your head anymore. Um, but man, Briscoe County Jr. It, I loved as a kid and like my brother and I used to watch that and we were like, what is this? Uh, it's great. It's totally what you expect. Hammy, campy, weird genre-y um but super fun and um i believe i think you can watch it for free i think it's like imdb imdb tv which is a part of amazon prime um has it with commercials so like i may just go spend the rest of the day watching that first season or only season if it, i think it's only one anyway check it out it's fun yeah ran for 27 episodes there you go <laughs> uh yeah i second that it's great i love it um i gotta ask have you seen his other show of the same bruce campbell ilk jack of all trades i have not seen that no well there's my sub recommendation for you cool. tim here's <laughs> jack styles american spy stationed on a south pacific island in the early 19th century teams up with a no-nonsense british agent to stop uh, amelia rothschild to stop <laughs> napoleon's colonizing efforts jack's <laughs> alter ego is the zorro-esque daring dragoon oh my god i actually think i have seen like one episode of that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So check it. That's hilarious. Well, I know we're we're running long as we do, Tim, but I mean, I, I got asked just with the Q&A, just any other like specific fun tidbit or highlight? Yes. Him going into the history of how and why he and Sam Raimi have the relationship that they do was fascinating. He told this story about... <laughs> <laughs> he's like so he you know he went into high school i think he said something about like he transferred to a new high school that might not be true but anyway he's in high school he goes into typing class and he can't type and everybody else can and he's like why are you even in this class class if you can type and then why am i in this class because i can't type but so he transferred he's like can i get out of this so he transferred to some uh, I think it was a photography class. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was a radio speaking class. And in that class was Sam Raimi, who happened to be sitting behind him. 
And he said that <laughs> he was interested in the class. So he was raising his hand a lot to like answer questions and whatever. And as he would do that, Sam Raimi would take a number two pencil that had been sharpened very sharp. And anytime Bruce Campbell started talking, Sam would stick the end of the pencil into the back of his neck, but couldn't be seen because of the way the, the, <laughs> the desks were oriented. The teacher couldn't see what Sam was doing. He was like being sly <laughs> about it. And it be- he said it became this sort of battle. He's like, oh, I know what the- this guy's trying to get me to break and I'm not going to do it. And so they <laughs> that's how they met <laughs> is by Sam Raimi, sadistic fuck, torturing Bruce Campbell and seeing if he could get a reaction out of it. And Bruce Campbell being like, I can take this. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And he's like, eventually, like after the class, he turns around and he's like, what the fuck's your problem, man? <laughs> and Sam Raimi, of course, in his Sam Raimi way, like was like, you know. I'm just trying to help you, man. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of little anecdotes, a lot of fun stuff talking about Sam and 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 also just the the state of the industry and their, you know, his career over the years. Just really interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, well, last last question for you. It is exciting. You just went there. Um, but uh, I, I'm just so curious since she's new to it all, your girlfriend, Britt, what did she, she's for, for our listeners. She's super cool. Of course, as you'd expect being Tim's girlfriend, very talented artist, but her being new to evil dead Two, army <laughs> of darkness, I'd just be so curious. I mean, I, you know, love to hear it from her, but since she isn't here, uh, what is someone who's new to those movies like make of seeing those movies in today's day and age? She, she I will. She likes horror films. So she, she doesn't like blood so much, but she likes, you know, creepiness and spookiness. Like Halloween's her favorite holiday. Um, like my, our place right now is completely like Halloweened out. And I'm, and I imagine it like won't be de Halloween for like three more months. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but she, I mean, she said to me afterwards, she was like, I understand why you like these movies. Like, like they're so your sensibility. And I'm like, yeah, I I mean, I guess, or maybe they formed it. I don't know which, you know, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg kind of thing, but she liked, she liked the, she liked, she's like me. She liked uh, uh, evil dead two more because it's mixing in kind of a really well balanced way. The, like the, the campy goofy, stuff com- like horror comedy um little more than army of darkness which is doing more of a medieval horror comedy camp it's a little more over the top um well just less horror i guess it's it feels like to me um but yeah she by and by and large just sort of was like those are fun and i get it cool Still, yeah. they still have a place. Great. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, for you, though, I got to ask, too, like, I, it's not that I know you you don't like it, but um, did Army seeing Army of Darkness with a crowd help it gain any just sort of new favor or insight for you? It's just really fun to hear and see what people respond to and, like, whether or not they are getting the jokes that you have always 
honed in on. And mostly, yes. It also the 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 capture that they had for these two films, the digital transfer, was incredible. Like I saw things in both movies that I had never noticed before because it was so crisp. Like it was in, and, and huge, right? Like it's on a very big screen. But who, like whoever did that did, that copy was did a, a phenomenal job. Yeah, I believe they've all been mastered to four K now. Think, yeah, thank it the, was thank the wild. Film gods. Cool. Yeah, you should just watch those movies. <laughs> in particular, watch Army of Darkness just for the background actors. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's so much going on. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's a guy in sneakers running down a hill at one point, like white. <laughs> high top sneakers <laughs> like there's so much funny stuff throw some gaff tape over that yeah it's so funny um, <laughs> yeah cool that's great i'm glad you got to do that for your october here that's great all right well tim uh yeah we didn't really talk about what we were doing next but i suppose we just back to the hat here yeah is it my turn i don't know whose turn it is do you want to pull you're, you're holding it i'd love you to have the honors Okay, here we go. Here we go, hat. Do do us proud. We're doing this one. Oh, it's a long one. Um, it's from 1971, and it's called Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I right. have no idea what this is. I always... It's another one of those, like, um, well, like a lot of the films we've done, where always see the name popping up. Uh, yeah. And I've not seen it, to the best of my knowledge. Have I... <laughs> is this like the one that's like out in the country like and like a farmhouse and stuff i feel like i may have seen this okay but it's you got me well we'll find out next week i suppose great wow jessica well, is played by zora lampert never heard of her <laughs> great exciting <laughs> all right well uh until then yeah you know it's maybe the end of october but here we're a horror podcast we we keep it going all year that's what we're doing here we're keeping the dream alive watching horror movies talking about horror movies so yeah we really can appreciate you being here you can find us wherever you found us dismemberinghorror.com we are now partnered with our friends and family at connected podcast we suggest you check them out it's connected with no e at the end so connected <laughs> connected <laughs> podcast check them out all the other great shows in our family you'll find and um well yeah happy halloween everyone so in closing thanks for listening 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 thanks for listening i hate you so much <laughs> it's gonna be in my head forever but maybe that's the point and we'll see you next time Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>